The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Mike Zuzalo is joining us with Global Commodity Analytics. And as we look at the happenings of this grain complex today and, and more in the outlook down the road, I know, Mike, that there has been a lot of talk about this this event that's coming up in Iowa. I mean, I know E15 is supposed to be talked about at RINs. Perfect timing. What are your thoughts? Yeah, this is one of the things that I think is very much part of the and could be increasing part of the market, Susan. Two things that I have not liked this week as far as price action has been the fact that the soy meal has not made new weekly highs with the beans and the bean oil. The second thing is that the ethanol market really hasn't taken charge and, and, and the wheat market, those two major markets that I continue to watch in the feed grains really haven't taken off. And I think the likelihood of President Trump making an announcement about an all-15 policy is higher than normal, not just because of the midterm elections, but because of the higher gas prices than what we're used to seeing. This, to me, would be a politically ideal time to push out this idea that we are going to blend more ethanol and therefore be able to get more gasoline out to the cheaper product because the discount and the spread between ethanol and and uh, 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 unleaded gas arbob on the spot price right now uh, it's gotten into that 86 87 cent discount level per gallon so I mean it's a large discount right now um, I think this is one of those things where I as I said about the soybeans and the meal and the bean oil uh, it's made me want to go ahead and send out my first 2019 hedge recommendation uh, via a text blast to clients and, and what I call my level four subscribers um, on soybeans only at this 930 futures level. And I'm waiting on the corn partially because of the ethanol potential announcement there. But I, I think it would be wise for the president to move on this and gather some momentum for the ag sector coming off of saving NAFTA on Sunday night and coming off of this crude oil rally which has also helped to uh, push prices up as well. You know, you, you brought up NAFTA, and uh, Nancy Pelosi was was quoted as saying, you know, that this trade deal isn't done yet, and that there could be some some hiccups going into this because of the outcomes of what the November election is going to be. And there's a lot in ag that are banking on this getting signed. Yes, and, and this is a perfect point that you kind of dot the I and cross the T as far as what I meant when I said that about the idea that we need probably to see President Trump move forward with this so that he can assure his base of support comes out in November and he does not lose Congress, let alone the increase that he'll be wrapped up or, or ensnared in some kind of impeachment process by the House of Representatives. The new USMCA that replaced NAFTA was the major factor that, that changed the whole dynamic of the grain trade since you and I last talked. And we talked last Friday after this really negative supply-side uh, grain stocks report and spring wheat acreage report. Uh, we really did see a, a really big thrust to the downside. And I said to clients this uh, week on Monday, Tuesday, after the uh, NAFTA got saved in the 11th hour, between that and the crude oil, uh, if we would not have those two things, I, I re- even with the E15 announcement out there looming, I don't think we'd be dealing with prices that we've dealt with here uh, this week. I, I, to give you an example, 
the, the crude oil market has been able to go up 12% since it's uh, low in mid-September. Bean oil is up 10% from that exact same time period. I, I, I don't think we can underscore the importance of the NAFTA being saved as a trade deal. It, in my opinion, always was more important than the Chinese trade deal because it dealt with our most important trading partners in, in the big scheme of things. And if we could get the NAFTA uh, trade deal uh, salvaged, it would really put China more on the defensive. That would be the political economic theory mindset, and, and I think that's indeed what's happened. So, Mike, is South America nervous? I mean, knowing that China isn't buying beans from the U.S., knowing that they're possibly going to be looking to them a lot faster, they're trying to get this crop in the ground. So they've got a lot of hurdles and things to have to deal with this growing season for them. Yes, you're right, and the market's already sensed that. And this is, I, this is kind of the trigger points that if you work with somebody like me, this is the logic that I would have as to why I moved into the new crop, new, uh, November beans, and then in part because of the fact that the January spread against the November spread, Jan 19 minus Nov 19 beans, is a negative 54, 55 cents after today's trade. That means the trade is really putting in a lot of premium in the back end. They're wanting South America to get planted exactly because of what you're talking about, Susan. It's an issue where the South Americans have to perform and they know they're going to be running thin after November, December in terms of exportable bean supplies. But that window will quickly be uh, shut as we get into the February-March time period because of the extended harvest progress that uh, that Brazil uh, takes on. And so beans back ready to be shipped out by mid-late March, early April at the latest, all, all things go well. And the ag attaché for Brazil came out today or yesterday afternoon and talked about exactly this. And they also increased their expectations for the 18.9 bean production by 2.5 million tons and stoked it up to 123 million metric tons. That's 3% higher than what they just got done combining. So if I look at the spread, I look at the attaché report, planting pace in Brazil right now, I look at the overbought stochastics and the oscillators on the daily chart, which discourages new buyers from coming in uh, typically, and I look at the topping pattern in the crude and what I talked about in the bean oil, and then you throw on top of that that Vice President Pence is talking about China manipulating our election and that we're going to send a bunch of U.S. naval warships this weekend into the South China Sea to test China's results. That made me. That gave me plenty of reason uh, why I wanted to go ahead and get some beans hedged for 2019. That premium's in the back end right now. That means the discount is in the front end beans. All right, sounds good. Stick around, folks. We've got a lot more to talk about. We'll talk, uh, of course, the weather that is hitting the Midwest, what that means for the markets, and, of course, more of this global effect that we're seeing on the trade, especially the China talk that Mike just talked about. Stick around. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Mike Zuzalo is continuing to join us with Global Commodity Analytics. And let's talk weather. I look out my window and it's raining. And it's raining in many areas of the Midwest. And it sounds like this cold snap that's moved in is going to cause for some frustration. So a producer's wondering, how much of a weather market and weather premium are we going to be putting into this grain trade, Mike? I'm really glad you brought this up, Susan, because this could be a big deal for the bean hedger and the uh, producer that's combining beans right now, especially in your neck of the woods and my neck of the woods, west of the Mississippi River, where you're looking at a dollar twenty, dollar thirty under for spot bean basis, 
whereas corn basis in, in places like Lexington uh, are, is only you know 30 to 40 under right now. So you can see the big, big discount in the front-end beans. And, and that corresponds with what we talked about before the break, talking about a November bean futures price that's roughly 860 right now in lead month futures with a dollar 20 under basis last year at this time we were at about a dollar 20 basis also but we had a 975 bean futures price and that bean basis actually shrunk from a negative 116 to a negative 85 last year by christmas time and this is where your weather comes into play i think maybe we've got a gfs model that is indeed drier this afternoon but the european model this afternoon has come out still very very wet for Kansas, southeast Nebraska, Iowa, and Minnesota. If that actually plays out, I could see a repeat or a similar type basis move in the beans um, where the futures maybe doesn't go up sharply uh, because it's already had its rally led by the bean oil and the crude and so on and so forth. But the basis actually picks up because we start to have to factor in the idea. Those beans were out in the field, but we didn't get them into the trucks or into the into the hoppers and into the grain bin. So this next four or five days for the bean hedger, I think, could be very, very important and maybe help generate some additional revenue per acre. It just seems like this harvest has had one thing after another thrown at them. You know, from everything from trade to, to weather to the Brazil and Argentina having really very cheap and is it historical levels on their currency. One of the things I like most about talking about you is you sound a lot like the producers I work with because that is a comment that I have heard so much this year and especially this fall ever since middle of the summer that the trade has only looked at these massive yields and that the national yield is so high and nothing else really. I mean, we we don't talk about the idea that the world corn stocks to use ratios are at five-year levels. We don't talk about the ag attache out of Beijing, China. For USDA just put out a report and said that the corn stocks to use ratios in China are going to be the lowest since 2006 because they're eating into their supply through higher domestic cons- the energy and the ethanol demand coming up and also feed substitutes. I-, I think this really boils down to one simple thing, and that is ever since the trade war issues hit, we turned a four-year cycle low upside down and went dr- and dro- drove the market with the interest rates going up and energy prices going up this could signal that maybe that four-year cycle low is right around the corner again if the emerging markets don't get overheated or don't get hit too bad by higher interest rates and higher energy prices than what we're already seeing right now it could be a lot better than what we're expecting in my opinion this is where early 19 becomes a very key fundamental factor for what we do for our 18 hedges and our 19 hedges if ever there was a time to to keep focus on your markets and, and keep that line of communication open with your broker this is it it is, and you're also looking at a situation where the cattle market and, and the feeder market as well, where they're trying to carve out some major lows as well, but they've been driven the opposite direction where they've gone up prematurely too high, especially because of what happened with the hogs and the African swine fever. So now they're settling back down. I think the fat cattle prices are very fair value right now in the futures versus the cash. I know many are talking about going down to 105 and maybe even below in cash back cattle for the fourth quarter. I tend to be a little bit more optimistic. I think 110 should be the bottom of the barrel, and I hope that we can get 115 before we start to trend, hoping that comes within the next couple weeks. Is the softness that we've seen in the, in the feeder cattle just adding some more pressure to the livestock in general? 
Yes, it is, but I can say that I think it's probably useful that we're doing this because we, not from a standpoint of the break-evens for feeder producers, certainly, but from a standpoint of not putting um, too much premium in the market too quickly and then the funds coming in and seeing that as an opportunity to drive prices down too low later. I, that, that's the kind of market that I really don't like, producers don't like because they can't budget. So I, I'm eager to see the feeder cattle find some support in the mid-150s, maybe 154, 153 area, I think that should be the lower end of the spectrum for November feed. As I see that, I think we have a pretty decent market ahead. Why? Because I think we've got a demand base that's starting to be built up again, especially given some of these uh, economic uh, numbers that we're seeing, not just here in the United States, but in other key players in countries around the world. Well, lots of things that we talked about during the final bell today. Of course, if somebody wants to talk more, figure out their best marketing plan, how do they reach you, Mike? Oh, a great time of year to do it, uh, especially with harvest getting you know farther and farther down the road because we're planning for 2019. Call me, 866-471-2588, or go to globalanalytics.biz and sign up for a trial. Look at the blog. Just posted a brand new one this week with some really nice charts, including that corn stocks to use ratio chart. That's the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.